On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we speak with our reoccurring guest, good friend, Brady Riggs. Um, originally, as we're getting close to the end of 2023, I had scheduled this with Brady to talk about some of the developments uh, on the men's and women's tour over the past year and a look ahead as to what we expect to see from players in 2024. And we do cover that, but uh, given the seismic events in golf over the past week, with both the announcement of the ball rollback in connection with the distance issue uh, by the USGA and RNA, um, and and also, uh, of course, John Rahm deciding to leave the PGA Tour to go to live, we cover those topics first and then do a bit of a year in review. So this will probably be our last episode for 2023. Uh, We have some great guests lined up for early in 2024. So um, hopefully uh, folks will continue to tune in and uh, enjoy that. But for now, up next, Top 100 Teacher, Brady Riggs. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy. I think this is probably the final edition for 2023. And so I figured what better guest to have on to do a kind of wrap up of what's of the year and and in particular grapple with all of the big news that's happened in the golf world um, in terms of both the uh, ball rollback and and you and live uh, this past week. Then our old friend, top one hundred teacher, Hall of Famer Brady Riggs. Brady, how you doing? I'm doing well, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great. So I, feel, uh, I do feel yeah. a little weird being a Hall of Famer, though. I mean, I feel like it dates me. Unfortunately, well, you know, you 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 you're materially younger than I am, for what it's worth. Um, That's but, true. Uh, you know, I mean, I always look at it that you, you know, you didn't have to wait to the end of your career to get into the Hall that's, of Fame. You accomplished so much that there you go. But um, so, uh, Brady, always great to have you. So, you know, lots of stuff going on. Um, and um, I want to dive into these issues first, and then we can kind of work through some of the other things that have happened during the year. But let's maybe start with the distance um, issue, which... Um, the wheels of justice move slowly. The wheels of the USGA apparently yeah. also move slowly. Um, you know, the dist- I think we can go back to what people are calling the Vancouver Protocols. I hadn't heard that term the last year. It's a protocol, that, I don't know, that's an interesting term to use, but probably more than 10 years ago, or, or maybe even it's 20, where they started, taught, started talking about, among the golf associations, the issues that distance has had. We had the distance report that the USGA put together, very comprehensive report. I want to say 2018-ish. Um, and then, of course, we had the model local rule earlier this year in the spring that uh, the USGA had announced. And they're doing this in conjunction with the RNA, in which they took a bifurcation approach. And there was lots of... Um, I was going to say teeth gnashing, maybe I should say screaming from the manufacturers and other stakeholders about the how could you bifurcate? 
Um, personally, it made some sense to me because I think the biggest issue is at the elite um, level. But um, now they've come back and we're still stuck. We're still sticking with just the ball rollback, but no more bifurcation. Um, and it's going to be we'll, we'll skip the technicalities of how they're going to sort of um, increase the swing speed of the testing, but keep it the same distance. And, you know, and you sort of put it through the meat grinder. What does it all mean? You know, maybe, you know, 10 yards or so, 12, 15 yards at, if you're Rory McElroy and hitting it three and a quarter um, for the rest of us mortals um, far less. So it's going to have less of an impact on those of us who are just amateurs um, and are not elite players. But, um, uh, and I guess the other thing I'll throw out there before getting your reaction, um, and I would encourage people to read the distance report if they're interested in this, because it actually is a very good document. You know, there's the environmental aspects of keeping to having to build bigger courses and, and, and uh, which is not a helpful thing. Um, the uh, strategic uh points of some of our classic old courses, what the USJ likes to call the cathedrals of the game, kind of being obsoleted, courses they can't go to anymore, or courses where, you know, they have to build these crazy back tees. We saw that like at Southern Hills where they had to go so far back, they were hitting over other greens and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> but really sort of to put, I think the skill aspect back in, the strategy aspect of golf, you know, is what um, kind of pushed them to uh, do something on distance. And they're starting with the ball. And the, the only other thing I saw in there, and this really intrigued me, is the very end of this little um, three-pager they sent out the other day. They say, we're not forgetting about the driver size. Um, and and that was actually, to me, the, the thing I smiled the most at because, you know, as you and I've often talked about, um, you know, one of the huge impacts is the equipment and the driver head size and the fact that the driver's gone from, I think when you and I were younger, the hardest club to hit to maybe the easiest club. And there's not the penalty for the off-center hits. Anyways, I've thrown a lot on the table. Tell me what your reaction was to this and and what what your thoughts are. Well, let's pick up right where you left off. The driver head is... Yeah. is as much a problem as the ball, if not yeah. more so. Because, if not more so, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you can hit all over the face and not have a consequence. Where back when it was persimmon and then the smaller metal woods that used to, you know, be the first ones. Remember how small that tailor-made metal wood was? It was I, tiny. I, I, I look back, you look back at the great big birth, it would be like a seven wood or a five wood yes. today, right? Yeah, I mean, three woods today are bigger than the drivers that we used back in the day. So yeah, for sure. When you can swing that hard and have, have to be less than precise then it still works and so if you make the driver head smaller they're going to have to hit the middle of the face more often or they're going to pay and that's what we need to see plus the ball doesn't curve enough you know so if you have a ball that's not curving enough and a club face that's not penal enough when you miss the center of the face then you have guys able to swing hard and find it after they hit it where if the ball curved the way it used to and the club head was designed such that a toe and a heel miss was not a good thing, then they'd have to slow down to find the center of the face, I think, a little bit more, and it would help. I mean, this right. is nothing for the average player to enjoy golf more, which is unfortunate. We're talking about what the the 0.01% of anybody that's ever played golf. So that's frustrating. 
people don't want to lose their belly putters. They don't want to lose their, you know, their broomsticks and they don't want to play with a ball that doesn't go as far because it doesn't make it as fun. And I think we should be doing things to separate the game a little bit more, which I would not have thought I would say 10 years ago or even further back, but you know, it'd be better to have a tour ball. It would be better to have club heads of certain sizes that were you weren't allowed to get bigger than to be on tour. And then the amateurs can play with stuff in a different space because, you know, we want people to enjoy the game games hard enough as it is, but we don't want on the professional level courses to become obsolete and for them to go play LA country club in the first round and have what, what was it? 40 players under par or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there's, I, I don't think there's a good way to do what they're trying to do. Somebody's going to get frustrated. The manufacturers are probably feeling better about doing the ball than doing the club heads, I would think. But somebody was going to be upset with the situation and decision. And the alternative to do nothing isn't an alternative because of, like you said, there's there's a lot of far-reaching consequences for not making a stand right now, which should have been made probably five to ten years ago. At least, there if wasn't. not 20. Yeah, I, yeah. I I've I always wondered um, why they have been so slow to act. I got to think that the, um, and, and you're old enough like me to remember this, uh, the square grooves um, stuff with Ping and yeah. that shot that Calcavecchia hit at the Honda Oof. with that eight iron out of the spinach, you know, and having it stop right away on the green, uh, it seemed to sort of crystallize it. But when they came out with that and then ping sued them and stuff, I always felt like that made them a little gun shy, but it sounds like listening to what you were saying. So you're kind of, you would be more in the bifurcation camp. Is that fair? I think so. I mean, I, I don't want to take away the enjoyment of people playing that concerns me, you know, I don't know that it's going to have a massive consequence, but people will, will think it does, you know, and I think it'd be better if, you know, it's, it's hard to keep all the rules the same. It's, I mean, there's different rules in in Major League Baseball than there is in college baseball. It's crazy. Totally. Like, I mean, they're using wooden bats for a reason. They, they, well, they, yeah, that that's probably the most powerful analogy, right? I mean, if you put right. a metal bat in Aaron Judge's hand, he probably oh. would have some fatalities at third. So, yeah, I mean, it, it and and no one seems to blink an eye at that. Um, no, it, it became standard practice, and it's not a problem, and nobody thinks twice about it. And I I think that whatever you know, like you said, hand wringing and screaming would be going on when you first make that decision. It would, it would fall pretty quiet, pretty fast. If, if you did have a tour ball and you did have a maximum club head size, because then you'd have the consequences that they're looking for, which is, it makes it more about skill, which is what we're trying to see. We want to see the most skillful players win the tournaments, not the guys that hit the furthest. And right now you could argue that at tournaments like Augusta and a lot of us opens and, and definitely PGA championships, the guys that are in the top, you know, 10, 15 in the world are all bombing it. And there's just not a lot of room for somebody to come in and win a tournament that doesn't kill it. You know, it makes it very difficult. You know, the Zach Johnson's winning the masters and, you know, guys like that competing on the highest level in the highest tournaments, you're just not going to see it happen because the field shrunk in terms of people that are capable of winning a major because power is such an overwhelming component of trying to compete on that level so it'd be nice to see skill become a part of it It used to be the great equalizer was wedge game and putting and chipping and now you know it isn't because 
if you don't hit it far enough, you're out of the, you're out of the conversation. And, and it even, I, I agree with all of that and, and just maybe pick up on that. I mean, it just seems to flatten the skill level at the tour level. In other words, you know, I think we'd all agree Rory is a generational skilled driver of the golf ball. Um, and I suspect just to focus on that aspect of the game, that if we were back using either persimmon club heads or smaller metal ones, his relative advantage as an incredible driver of the golf ball would be way more significant than it is now. Because as you're saying, with the club heads now, anyone can just swing from their heel. I mean, they can generate enough speed to swing from their heels and they don't pay for the off-center hits, right? Sure. You know, and they don't need to be that accurate. Right. You know, and so it just, it just changes changes what is really important. It used to be that second shots were probably the most important part of scoring. Right. You know, and now you don't have anybody hitting a middle iron into any green other than a par five or a long par three, unless they're an average guy in terms of length on the tour. And then a 520 yard par four that they've hit a decent drive at 285. And, you know, it's a different world coming into that green. For the guy that's, you know, Rory's carrying at 330 or 325 and it's rolling out to 350 or 60 because the fairways are so firm on tour, you know, he's got a wedge. It's crazy, you know, and that's a big difference between what it used to be. So I, I, I think it'd be nice to see, you know, some of the guys that could hit middle irons and longer irons be competitive because the guys that were hitting it really far were struggling to hit the center of the face and the ball spinning more and going shorter and that would be good. Right. Right. Yeah. I just, I, I agree with all that. And I, I hope this is not only something that they stick with, but it, that they, they, that it's only the first step. I mean, it, it's the club head is at least as important. To, and, and I think we both feel that way than as the ball, you know, and when I sort of see this and people, what do you think? It's like, what, it, up doing nothing is not was not an option as you yes. said i 100 exactly. agree with that and so what i've started with this i don't know but you know you can't do nothing and at least this is something um i just hope it's like chapter one of multiple chapters i agree i mean think back who was the best ball striker in the mid to late 80s probably the early 80s through the mid eighties and maybe a little bit into the ladies on the PGA tour, who was the best driver of the ball in terms of accuracy, who hit the most greens in regulation. Who was that? Yes, indeed. And we would not know his name. And he would not beat me. Wouldn't make it. He wouldn't make it on tour. And the guy was an absolute machine, right? He I mean, was. What he hit, he hit one ball out of bounds in his entire. I know that's career. crazy. I know. Nuts. I know. But I mean, it was fun to watch him play. He was just such a machine. Oh, he was cutting the totally. mold of Hogan and, yeah. You know, Faldo sort of picked up the mantle from him yeah. and was really the last guy that was able to contend in and win multiple majors without being long. You know, you, you can't you can't do that anymore. And it's unfortunate because those guys were, you know, special in terms of ball striking without being long. And it'd be neat to see the game go to that place again. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so hopefully, um, I, I, I still don't quite understand why we're waiting till 2028 so for this stupid. stuff too. I mean, it's so slow. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand that, but you know, it's, uh, it is, like I said, the wheels of the, of, of the, um, of our golf authorities, uh, go slow, apparently, um, grind slowly. 
Um, so that's distance. The other news, which is just um, got there's so many aspects to this, but just to tee it up, you know, is live. What is going on with live with John Rahm? You know, clearly the most significant signing live has had. Um, I think number two player in the world, number three, you know, in his prime, right. 29 years old, um, you know, just to kind of briefly reset it a little bit for our listeners. You know, we had this framework agreement, uh, so to speak, uh, which really wasn't an agreement of anything other than an agreement to end litigation, but it calling the framework agreement in early June. And, you know, which was kind of a seismic event because, you know, it was sort of after a year plus of having the PGA Tour say, we're not getting in bed with these people or you shouldn't be. And, you know, and, and look at, you know, who these people are. Now they're like, you know, he and Yasser arm in arm on CNBC. Um, and uh, but let's just focus on Rom for a second. So Rom, you know. Besides being incredibly, you know, skilled player, multiple majors, we'll get to player of the year a little bit later, but, you know, four wins this year, um, including, of course, the Masters, um, 10 top 10s out of, I think, 20 events, you know, a monster year um, right in his prime. Uh, and um, we don't know the exact amount. You know, whether it's 300 million, 600 million, somewhere in between, it's a lot of money. But this is a guy who was on the record going back to Riviera last year when Phil's comments kind of, you know, got revealed in the you know, proverbial shit hit the fan, you know, and he, you know, pledged his fealty, you know, great usage of the word. And of course, English is not his first language, but he speaks so well. He pledged his fealty to the tour. And even if you want to sort of take the view that all pre-framework agreement statements, you know, get changed once, you know, the tour comes out with the framework agreement in June uh, and, and, you know, in a sense, legitimizes live to some extent. I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out. Not that that's not my view, but I could, you know, if someone wants to take that view, Raman's made statements post June 6, 2020 of this year, post framework agreement announcement about how, you know, laughing off the notion that he's going to live. So let me start with you with this. What happened? Um, greed. You know, I mean, his comment was they could give me $400 million and it wouldn't change my life. Right. That was one of his comments, right? But I guess 550 million would. I, 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 I'm disappointed and not surprised. Um, Garcia and Mickelson and Tim Mickelson obviously all have an influence on his decision-making here. He will be, you know, Cam Smith was the open champion and he went and he was great. You know, I don't think he had that much less of a year when he went either. No, you he know? would be the next guy. After, I mean, before right. Rom went, I would have pointed to him as the most yes. significant sign. Yeah, I would too. But I don't think it changes anyone's perception of Liv. Nobody's going to watch it. Nobody cares about it. You can't name one tournament 
right? Yeah, There's not that, one right. I, I certainly can't. I consider myself a more than average engaged golf fan, and I certainly can't. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what courses they play. Nobody cares what the name of the tournament is. And if you if you were making the decision based on, you know, some sort of sense of right and wrong, that didn't change. You no, know, that none of that changed. I mean, what changed? I I don't I don't know. I think it's just it's sad because somewhere along the way you would hope that these decisions matter in some way, shape, or form, and maybe they don't. You know, maybe this is this is just fine, whatever. You know, I, I'm it's it's really a shame. And, you know, Rory's comments were pretty funny. I think he's tried to back out of any controversy. Right. Because he's just done with it. But, you know, well, we got to change the Ryder Cup rules now. I, I heard that. Right. On the team. Right. You know, I, I just think a lot of people are over it. You know, I'm sick of it. And I, I don't care anymore about I've lost some interest in in all of golf except for the majors. And I think that, you know, there's plenty of blame to be shared everywhere when it comes to this, but the blame is not with the players that have stayed. You know, Rory has been everything that you would have hoped the leader to be. I think Tigers, you know, put himself in good standing with a lot of people in the oh, game. Oh, for sure. How he's Absolutely. So it's unfortunate that, that Rom has taken this path, but He'll just go play in a bunch of terms that nobody cares about. There's no history, whatever. You know, have a nice time. I hope you're playing well in the majors because none of the terms you're going to play in other than that will make any difference to anybody except your bank account. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I that that I agree with all that. I, you know, I just wonder when I sort of ask myself what caused him to change his mind other than adding and maybe there isn't anything other than adding another 150 million on top of the 400 number he threw out, as you alluded to. I do wonder, though, winning the Masters um, gives him not only a lifetime to Augusta, but five years for all the other majors. And of course, one of the issues with going to live is they don't have world ranking points. So, right. you know, if you were, if, if one thing holding you back, was, gee, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm going to be iffy to get into the majors. That Masters win put him for, you know, if if, if you're a betting person, it's hard to imagine this is not going to get resolved, this schism in the next five years. And he's in all the majors for the next five years. So, you know, maybe that was part of it. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure Khashoggi's family understands then why he made the decision because now he'll have an easier time getting in all the majors. I'm sure all the women that are, you know, beheaded and oppressed, I know. their families are fine with it. And they understand where Rom's coming from because, you know, now he can at least get in the majors without any problem. I mean, he's a freaking hypocrite. He's I, a liar. He is. He is. He, well, he's and, absolutely and, is that. I mean, absolutely. and I was not seeking a, a, a justification, just more I know of an explanation, but he is totally a hypocrite. I mean, notwithstanding, what I just said, even if that's true, he's still a hypocrite. Big time. What a bad thing to be in life. You know, I mean, you took a stand based on a position that that was righteous. Right. I mean, he, he was saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to leave the tour. History is important to me. You know, I don't know if he spoke out on civil rights and, and the atrocities that have gone on there, but at least he was on the right side of things, you know, and now he's not. And he came out saying that he was never going to go. And, it, you know, 400 million wouldn't change his life. 
mean, how do you, how do you explain this to your kids down the road? How do you explain this to your daughter, your granddaughter? Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, time, right? It's, it's it's it bugs the heck out of me, and I already wasn't the biggest fan of the guy, and this has certainly not helped him, in my opinion. Not that my opinion makes any difference to anybody, but you know, um, never been a huge fan of the Spaniards in golf, except for Ballesteros, and uh, you know. Good riddance. We'll see you four times a year and maybe at the Ryder Cup or every other year. But I won't watch one shot the guy hits on that tour nor oh, anyone else on that tour because I, I, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. And I don't think anybody cares. I don't well, think I mean, I was going to say the data, the data and the ratings make it clear no one cares. Nobody I mean, they're cares. not, they're not, they're not, no one's watching it. I think yeah. more people would watch you and I go play. <laughs> well if they only knew they would there wouldn't that's be a close question but but um yeah because I know you I don't see anybody here that scares you so well yeah they 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 pick up that with the boom mic on the first tee at exactly. at um at uh pack dunes i know um but um so rom is rom you know disappointing um to put it mildly hypocritical hard to you know not see, not uh, not acknowledge that. What do you think? The just putting him to one side. Do you think this is going to provide cover for more of them to go over, or what do you think happens now? Do you think this is going to be a trickle, or you know, we've heard you know rumblings in the past about Xander and Cantley, although Cantley's now on pack and seems mm-hmm. to be playing a big role, so that would be hard to fathom but i'm just curious do you think this provides cover or changes other people's minds about going over i mean only if they're only if they don't have a soul you know i mean (laughs) if you're reasoning it depends on what your reasoning was you know if you weren't doing it because you think it's the wrong thing to do then it's still the wrong thing to do you know if you weren't doing it because well you know i i want to make sure i get in the majors then maybe you got to wait till you win a major like Rom. But if you're or like Cam Smith, right? That's right. I mean, the money's certainly good enough one way or the other, right? It was there before for Xander or for Morikawa or whoever it is. I mean, that money's been there and it will be there. You know, it's, it's, I guess what they think is important, you know, at some point, but I mean, there's going to be a point where neither tour is going to have great events unless it's a major and if that happens if they're losing a few more of the top 10 players in the world i still wouldn't watch live i don't care but it would take away and detract from a lot of the events on the pga tour and you know it's they're hurting themselves in the long run you know like they're just they're all making it tougher on themselves i I agree yeah they they don't care they don't care about their other professionals on the pga tour they don't care about those guys you know, it's just the game's in a complete mess right now. It's chaos, and it's not going to change anytime soon. It really is, and let's let's talk about that angle of it. I'm glad you said what you just said. So, from the fan perspective, from looking at the tour product um, and being a consumer, because I, I 100% agree with you. It, I. I Zero interest. I don't care who goes over. I have zero interest in watching live events, but it does, you know, sadden me. Not just that Rom turns into turns out to be such a hypocritical and goes over there, but you know, not having 
a John Rahm makes these PGA Tour events, or at least these elevated events or signature events, whatever term we're using these days, where he obviously would be part of it as a leading player, less inter- on the margin, less interesting. Um, and what do you think the tour does or what can they do? Forget, not, not to predict, just what do you think they can do to sort of deal with this? Because you're sitting here, if you're the tour right you're you you you're dealing with a non rational economic actor um i mean unless you want to sort of put a very big value on sports washing i guess maybe that's the rationality but you got someone with 700 billion dollars in their pocket so you know as i was saying to someone today who just kept shaking their head over the 500 million i said well they have 700 billion i mean you know that's 500 million is like I don't know, a, a, a month's interest on their investment, mm-hmm. I, whatever the math is, but you get my point. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, a, but so with that on the other side, what does the tour do? I mean, they've tried to create these elevated events on the notion when Tiger called that meeting in Delaware um, at the playoff event uh, a year ago, you know, there was this consensus from the players that, you know, to improve our product, we need to have the big stars together more often and that was kind of the underpinning of these signature events and we're funneling more money to them not only because of the bigger person signature events but this pip program which is you know basically a way to get more money to the stars um and um but you know we're also seeing a little pushback from sponsors because the price tag is going way up here we just saw i think it just in the last day or so, Wells Fargo, who's been a longtime sponsor of um, the event at Quail Hollow, is dropping after 2024. Um, you know, because it's not, you know, Yasser may have $700 billion. There's not a pot that size on the PGA Tour side of the line. So what do you do if you're the PGA Tour? You try to get the best young players in the world on that tour. You do it with PGA Tour U, which they've done. You you try and because there's always going to be another great player, right? And they have to keep those great players coming to the PGA Tour. So, who was the hottest player at the end of last year in the world? Oh, oh among the college level, or no? The the young professionals just got out on tour. European. Oh, oh, Ludwig. Yeah, of course. Yes. You know, so as, as long as you have guys like that that are coming out and they're on the PGA Tour and they're playing in majors and they're playing in the best events on the tour, you're going to have, you're still going to have enough eyes on it that is different than the Live Tour. You know, Live's tried to grab some of those guys and they've been almost universally a, not a success playing on the Live Tour, you know. Right. So you've got to try and do that and and then you need to, realize that the rank and file journeyman players really don't matter. They're not happy about it that they don't matter, but they don't matter. There's you can, you know, what, what 75 through 125 on the PGA tour, nobody cares about Jason Duffner can go play even as a major champion in the live qualifying events. It's not gonna make any difference if Jason Duffner is not on the PGA tour. It starts to matter when you're talking about the top 25 players, 30 players in the world. So they've got to try and keep those players committed to the PGA Tour, which is exactly why they did the elevated events in the beginning. 
and and that's their route to try and keep players from wanting to leave but clearly that's not enough you know for some players so that's why the game's going to be in chaos because they're going to lose players going to live despite their best efforts and in the process the rank and file players are going to get upset because they're not getting enough money in their estimation and they're pretending like they're staying loyal to the PGA tour when live doesn't want them anyway. And they're going to have to try and get the great young players on board. That's what they're going to have to do. Do you, do you, you know, it's interesting. And I agree with you. Um, the stars versus um, as some outlets call them the mules, um, you know, uh, the no laying up guys like to call the journeyman, the mules. So, um, you know, that are just kind of filling out the, 100 to 125 or the 75 mm-hmm. to 125. I mean, once upon a time, you had to be in the top 60 to sort yeah. of do that. I mean, I wondered, do you, do you, do you ever think about, um, you know, whether, you know, there's, if we look over the last 20, 30 years of the PGA Tour, that there's maybe in, ret- you know, hindsight's always 2020, but in retrospect, too much of an emphasis on the, you know, kind of protecting or looking out for the lower level people and not enough focus on the stars. We're clearly shifting to more focus on the stars, but I'm wondering, I mean, maybe we should have uh, not been so quick to abandon um, the top 60 and go to the all exempt tour. Right. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the Monday qualifiers were great. Um, You know, guys were trying to get out there on the weekly to get into events and, and play their way on and, you know, McCord and, and, that whole group made sure that was very difficult to do right? because they were in the group of players that was trying to hold on to their status. And there's no doubt the new change to the tour has made that harder. You know, people are going to have a tougher time. The number of all exempt players has gone down and it's, it's a challenge and it's unbelievably confusing to figure out how all that is working. I oh, not pretend yeah, to be an expert. Yeah, yeah no, no, it's, 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 it's head spinning to try to figure out the rules. I agree. But I think the more opportunities you're giving to younger players, players that are, you know, that would have to have before gone through all the stages of Q school coming right out of college, it's good to get those guys opportunities because that's where your stars are going to come from. And yeah, I think the tour is doing what they can do, but it's, it's a no-win situation. And, and they were hypocritical, which is unfortunate because – you know, you needed somebody to be a leader and say, hey, we're not going to go down that route. It's not right. It's not good for the game. It's not good for, you know, it's not good for humanity to to be in bed with these people. And that's what they were saying. And then he flipped, you know, on a dime. And I understand the, you know, the litigation was a major issues and whatnot, but it didn't help. You know, the players felt blindsided and it's just been bad. They need new leadership. Well, I was just saying, you, you, you perfectly segued into where my next question was to you. I mean, how does Jay Monahan still have a job? It's, it's shocking. It's shocking. I'm not saying that he was wrong in making the decisions that he made along the way. It's just the sequence of events. That well, and the he, communication and doing yeah, that and blindsiding the people. And Well, and look, we don't know. I mean, reportedly, Yasser said to him when they were meeting in the spring, I'll just drop if we agree to drop the litigation because he did. He just was deathly afraid, apparently, mm-hmm. of being deposed in a U.S. court. Mm-hmm. Um, and they uh, they had made some sovereign immunity arguments, which didn't really carry the day. So he was going to have to be subject to a deposition. And so he was willing 
from the reporting to do, we don't have to agree on anything else. We'll just drop the litigation. And, and, you know, I don't, I, I'm fine taking that. I don't know why we had to go beyond that. Okay. I mean, you know, cause that's a win-win to me for the PGA tour, right? Because there, there's two sinkholes of money for them. One are, you know, these continually elevated purses. The other one was the litigation because you're right. litigating with someone who has $700 billion. Yes. Um, so I, I could totally see Jay agreeing to that, but why he did the rest of it and why he did it without involving the players. Um, and you can just see like a Tiger's presser at, you know, the hero. I mean, Jay has lost what, understandably, lost whatever credibility he had with the players. And I just can't understand how, I, I know you don't like to change captains in the middle of uh, stormy seas, but I don't know how they're not making a change. Well, when 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 one of the captains is, obviously you know complaining about strawberries uh you got to do something you know i mean it's captain quig all over again i mean it's brutal you know they just it's just a shame that it's it's such a mess and i i don't think anybody could see clear to where we're going There's i no, i, I can't no... either and and you know what i i read this you know tiger put out that memo i mean it wasn't his memo it was a pj tours memo like from a when after the rom announcement came out he sort of posted it it was a, like a week old but i hadn't seen it before and it basically talked about all the stuff it, it was a memo that was sent to all the tour players and it talked about all the steps the tour is taking. And it was like a laundry list of things, how we're going to grant equity. And we're talking about other investors. I I mean, I just don't see how all this works out in a way that really makes sense. I mean, we're going to have all these private equity groups come in and, you know, have ownership interests in the tour and then grant equity to the players. And Jay talks about, well, they're going to go from being independent contractors to owners and I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. I maybe maybe they have some grand plan there that hasn't been revealed and it'll all just be peachy, but um, right now it's, it's not only a mess. I just don't see how to get to back to it. Not being a mess. I don't either. I think we're all, we're all going to wait and see what happens, but we can at least read Eamon's articles because they're quite fun. They're good. Eamon is, Eamon Lynch is just a gem and he, can wield a pen um, like uh, nobody's business. He is a tremendous writer. I agree. Um, so that's what's going on in the big thing. Let's talk a little bit um, now that we've uh, depressed ourselves about the state of uh, at yes. least, uh, the game, kind of um, a little bit of a review of the year. Um, and the last time you were on, we were had a preview show for the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup. And um, I, I I didn't go back and look at our predictions. I, I remember I thought Europe would win the Ryder Cup, but that the U.S. would win the Solheim Cup. Well, there was no U.S. victory there. We got a tie in the Solheim Cup, <laughs> which means the cup stayed where it was with Europe. And, and, and we got just spanked in the Ryder Cup. And, you know, as far as I can tell, you know, the biggest uh, points of discussion on the U.S. side in the U.S. team room was, you know, Hatgate, you know, with Patrick Cantley not wanting to wear the hat and Xander's dad talking about not getting paid again. I thought we kind of 
past that chapter in the book back when Omera was on with Tiger and, you know, they decided you could sort of donate stuff to charity. But, you know, you, you see the comments that Pat, uh, Xander's dad made and, you know, the PGA is making all this money. You know, it's not like the PGA is like, it's not like they're po- putting it in someone's pocket. It's going back into the game. I mean, you know, but in any event, um, how much of a role that played, I don't know. Starting out behind for nothing is never really a recipe for success. Let's start with the Ryder Cup. What were your impressions watching that? And were you surprised uh, at what happened? Do you remember Kiowa? Yes, the war by the shore. Yes, you remember that, right? Now, led by Dave Stockton. Led, I remember poor Bernhard coming down to the last hole against Hale Irwin. And you could just see the two of them. I mean, and, you know, all the weight on their shoulders. And Bernhard had that probably, I don't know, five footer or something. And, yes. and he missed it. So, yeah. And and I remember, and of course, I remember Calc, you know, losing the last four right. hoes to Montgomery yes. with that, um, some of the worst golf shots I've ever seen a professional hit. Um, yes. And he was like in tears afterward. Very memorable event. Yes. So like that level of commitment, passion, emotion, dedication. Could you think of a time that's further removed from that with this U.S. team? No, and but I and I also saw that kind of dedication when your uh, uh, buddy Anthony Kim was running around with an American flag, if I'm recalling right, at Valhalla after he beat the stuffing out of Sergio in their singles match when there was a lot of passion there too. But that's about, we've just covered the two times I can remember now in the last, what I mean, War by the Shore was 91, I think. I mean, so in the last 30 plus years, we've yes. just talked about the two well, i guess we could add in brookline on sunday but you know but 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 uh not a lot of other examples i agree yeah so i think our team really just doesn't care i mean i think there's a few guys that do but the fact that all of them took all that time off before they played homa being one of the few exemptions exceptions to that right. and the fact that he played really well not a surprise cuz he really cares about it i mean these guys i just I, I, I've watched every single Ryder Cup for 30 plus years and have never watched less of a Ryder Cup than I did this time around. Yeah. Just didn't care. You know, there's nothing. I was rooting for Homa in, in his match. I cared about that match, but I just didn't care. You know, I, I think it's just a shame where the, this has become about money somehow along the way, which is pathetic and, I don't know, it's just, it's sort of lockstep with the rest of the professional game right now. Yeah. You know, it's a shame. I, I I just, I don't know about you, but I was not riveted to my TV watching it. I, no, I didn't no, care at I all. I, I wasn't, I wasn't either. Um, I mean, so you, if you were kind of analyzing why what happened happened, you, you put it more at the foot of the players as opposed to coaching or anything you know or the captains or anything like that sounds i mean the cap i mean look these guys are supposed to be the 12 best players we have right right to go play in this thing i don't care what your combinations are you got to be kidding me that you lose four nothing in the morning i mean that's just how do you do that 
You know, how do you do it? <laughs> I yeah, I mean, you, can, you can definitely question choices and all that stuff, but ultimately it shouldn't matter much, you know, really shouldn't matter much. They should just be able to go out and play. This is what they do. This, they're playing the biggest event, one of the biggest events they'll ever play. You know, you can play all the majors for 20 years, but you might make one or two Ryder Cup teams. Right, right. You know, it's a big deal. Absolutely. Didn't seem like a big deal. I mean, how could you imagine them not playing for three or four weeks before the Masters? Not playing for three or four weeks before Q School? Not playing for three or four weeks before the U.S. Open? But you just don't play three or four weeks in advance of the Ryder Cup? I mean, it shows you how much they care about it. You know, I and I honestly think that, you know, fans like us have been around a long time. If they don't care about it, I'm not going to care about it either. You know, it's just not... It's not compelling to watch it if they don't have that type of passion that they had at Kiowa, you know? I mean, I remember David Duvall being so fired up at Brookline, right? Oh, like, remember he, he would walk around with he Right. When he knocked that putt and he had this sort of hand cup behind his ear, right. you know, yeah. Shirt's untucked. He's getting yeah. the crowd fired up. You never saw that guy in his career. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like Having it from him really stood out because he's not right. like that. Yeah. I mean, you just never saw him act that way ever, except for that Ryder Cup. You know, it mattered. It really mattered. They really, it was just a completely different energy. And I think you had, you know, captains that, I don't know, maybe had a little bit more impact on the teams, you know, Crenshaw's speech and, you know, the press conference, all that stuff, the stuff of legend now, of course, but totally, you know, it mattered. It mattered. And I, I think it, it just doesn't matter that much now. And it's a shame. It still matters to the Europeans because they all were playing, right? They were playing the week before. They were. And I think uh, every single one of them was in the, like seven were in the top 10 or something in the, in the term of the previous week. Well, and they also the, all came out there and practice and they played in the, they played in whatever European event it was that was held on that course. Right. So they've played that course under tournament conditions. It would have been nice to see some of these guys on the U.S. squad who knew they were going to be on the U.S. squad. I'm forgetting what tournament it was. But when that tournament's held, make it your business to go play it under tournament conditions. I think there was a legitimate conflict with an elevated event, I think. I'm not okay. sure. Okay, but fair enough. There, whatever it was, you're right. I mean, no excuses. You just got to go get ready. You know, you got to find a way to get ready and be sharp when you're playing something like that. I just think the analogy to like, what would they have done if it was a major or if they were going through Q school, of course they would have all been playing regularly and competing and doing all those things to be sharp when it counted. They were, they were on vacation. They strolled off a plane from a beach and strolled to the first tee of the Ryder cup and were shocked. They were down for nothing (laughs) playing a bunch of guys that it mattered to, you know, they weren't playing the sisters of the poor, you know, they're no, playing some pretty good no. players and they got, they smoked. were, they really did. It's really disappointing. Um, I do think Beth page given the New York crowds will be interesting and fun to watch, but now we're going back to God. When's the last U S is it 93? The last U S victory on European soil. I think it's been 30 years. I think yeah. I think it's 30 years. Yeah. But that, that, one at Beth Page. I mean, it's going to be waste management Ryder Cup. You know, the fans will be completely out of control. Yeah. No, it'll just be, it'll be a mess. It will. It will be. It'll be like Phoenix. You're right. It will be. Um, But uh, on the other hand, the Solheim Cup, 
was pretty tight. Um, and it was interesting. I was, I thought Stacy Lewis's decisions on who was playing and who wasn't playing. Let's just say I wouldn't have predicted them. Um, and you know, maybe she was vindicated to some extent. I mean, Lexi has had a really challenging year. Um, I wouldn't have expected her to play as much as she did. Um, she generally played well, although that shank of that chip on 18, I won't be unseeing that anytime soon, but, that uh, that was really bad. And, and then Lexi, Lexi didn't exactly, um, illustrate how to be a stand-up person at the press conference about that um right. which was a little disappointing but um but she played a lot rose didn't play as much as i would have thought i just it's i thought some of the um some of those selections by stacy were a little bit surprising they ended up tied listen the women you know on both sides i mean the european has a strong team but god i thought looking at that u.s team with um Nellie Corda and um Danielle Kang, who, you know, boy, what a money putter she is, and and um, you know, Rose and some of the rest. I really thought they would win. Were you surprised that they didn't pull it out? Yeah, I was a little surprised they didn't pull it out. I think it's it's always tough playing on the road, you know, different setting completely. And I, I don't know how many points that's worth in these two events, but it's worth something. Obviously we seem to be completely incapable of competing, you know, in that setting on the men's side, but yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty balanced affair and usually good competition. And I was disappointed in Lexi's response to it too. I mean, just, just got to handle it better than that. You know, you're making it a bigger deal than it is, you know, I think it was Seve when he said, you know, how did you, Oh, the four putted Augusta, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. How did you I miss, I miss, I miss, I make. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and there's something about that that's endearing, you know, and somebody and totally endearing is exactly the right word. Totally. Yeah. 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 And if you're, you know, how did you make 10 on that hole? I missed the putt for nine. I mean, just sometimes you just got to own it. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Ernie Els did when he made, you know, how many yes. putts? Four, five, six on that first hole at Augusta. That was the for... worst thing I think I've ever seen. I've oh, never for seen a professional for yes. sure. That oh, was the yes. hardest thing to watch ever. Oh my god! It just it was. I never thought he was going to finish the hole. I don't think he ever thought he was going to finish the hole. <laughs> it's horrifying. Horrifying. But, but trust me, there was no one who was more horrified by by me with all the fun I've had with putting. But it was I, horrifying. But I didn't. I was not going to bring that up, Larry. I know, but I've, I've, I've I saved you the effort. But um, but yeah, she was not very stand up about it. But but I did think she played better than I would have thought. I mean, she's had a tough year. Um, she did. I, she's. I think Tony, my buddy Ruggiero, has been helping her out a little bit, and you know, Tony's a good dude and knows what he's doing. And um, you know, sometimes it's good to get get a different voice in your head to help you out but i think she can play better than she has been you know i think she i think she has better golf in her still so we'll see this will be a big year for her you know, it will she, she played she played well at the uh, is it the shriners whatever the men's yeah. tournament is that she, mm-hmm. she almost made the cut she played really well that second day yeah. and um Good. you know i i was actually going to ask you i mean you, th- you see 2024 being a bounce back year for her I think I think she's going in the right direction. You know, I mean, she was always a off the hook great ball striker whose short game was not good. You know, 
nobody would ever sit there and say that she was great around the greens or on them. Yeah. But she was such a good ball striker that it just it made it easier for her. But she lost that. You know, that's what disappeared. It wasn't that she was chipping or pitching or putting any worse. She was still not good at those things. But her her ball striking left her, which is horrifying. You know, if you're if you're Lexi Thompson, that's why she stopped, you know, competing. Right. She wasn't able to, to get in contention at all. But I think, you know, there that's coming back. And I think that has to come back first. And then if she can improve her short game a little bit. You know, maybe she could use the bounce once. That might not be a bad idea around the greens, but you know, that, <laughs> le- that leading edge is a little, a little sharp. You know, sometimes it can dig in there a little bit. Boy, I, I, yeah, I know, but I, I, I there's no question about that. But the, um, I got to think if you're a professional and you have the putting experiences <laughs> she has had the last couple of years in majors. You know, at the KPMG in Congressional, at the uh, U.S. Open at Olympic, I mean, those were both things that were in her lap, and she gave it away with some of the worst putting strokes on short putts I've ever seen at the professional level. Um, I, I, you have to be an awful strong person mentally to get past that. Mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, that was pretty uh, dark stuff. I mean, between her and Zalatoris right now, I don't know what's harder to watch. I, I think it's probably Zalatoris, but yeah, that's you know what? Them, I, neither of yeah. them are good. Yeah, that's that's actually a good one on the computer. keep those out of your phone, Larry. We don't want we don't want you looking. At no, I'm not, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that out of my head. Well, let me sort of wrap you up and sort of let's take a look forward. Um, we're kind of doing that a little bit on the women's side. I mean, just Lillian Vu, Vu is the Player of the Year. Um, yeah, and and I guess they, they don't really vote. The men, I guess, have this vote situation, mm. but the women have the points. The Rolex Player of the Year, Lillian Vu, won two majors at you know I refuse to call it Chevron at the Dyna and at, yeah. at the and, and it's not the AIG Women's Open, it's the Open. Um, and if you want to say the Women's Open, I'll give you that. Uh, so two majors for Lillian um, and. Um, Beats out Cillian, uh, uh, Celine Boutier for, for the player of the year. Talked about Lexi. I mean, what do you sort of see in the women's game? You're a close observer of the women's games. You look to 2024. Do you think Nellie's going to bounce back? I know she's had health issues. Everyone looks at her swing and wonders why she isn't more dominant. Um, you know, who do you sort of, if you look to 2024, who do you see leading the charge for the women? Well, I think if Nellie's healthy, it's hard to counter out from being in the conversation to be the best player in the women's game for sure. Um, I, I I don't see any reason that Rojang should not become a force on the LPGA Tour. You don't win your first event unless you're pretty good. You know, she's won every single thing she could win. There's not a tournament that she that she left on the table, right? That's true. So I I think school done you know focus on the on the professional career i think she's going to do really really well it's going to be fun to watch her um you don't think the lack of distance is going to hurt her at all i I don't i mean i think the women's game obviously every single time you can get a shorter club in your hand on the second shot it's going to help you but it didn't hurt her in the college game you know and I just don't see it as being a major issue. She's just too good a ball striker. She's too complete of a player. She's incredibly smart. Her short game's phenomenal. She's a great putter. She's got everything that you need. You know, I I, I don't think that she's short. 
She's just not. No, she's long. not short. She's not short. She's just not long. Right. Just not long. And you know, if you look at Patty Tabataniket and some other girls that kill it, uh, Pag Dan Manon and some other ones, then they just they haven't dominated. Right. You know. So it's LPGA Tour is still a ball strikers tour rather than a distance tour. So I think the ball strikers are going to have their way. Minji Lee's not terribly long. You know, she can just hit the ball really well. Oh my God, can you know? she ever? Those approach yeah. shots are really. Jin Young Ko, same thing, right? I mean, yeah. the best ball strikers tend to be the best players on the LPGA Tour. So I think that's going to be the case with her. And I think she's going to be a force. I, I, I think it's going to be really fun to see what she does a full year on the LPGA Tour. I know that'll make you happy. It will, you know, raise the Stanford Cardinal. I mean, I'm I'm still hopeful, you know, we'll have a get another NCAA title out of them this year. But um, although Wake Forest is awful tough, um, I really have the most fun, honestly, watching the women's college mm-hmm. game. I think there are a lot of fun. You and I talked about, you know, the women's amateur at Bel Air this summer, and that was just so much fun walking with those players. Um, they're so great and um, and they're so approachable. And it's just mm-hmm. it's a very different vibe a lot more pleasant vibe than you see with the men's game. But um, hopefully, yeah, I don't, I don't just, Rose is, is really phenomenal. On the men's side, um, Rom's now out of our equation. He, uh, Scotty, I don't know who's going to be player of the year. I guess, as I said, I think that's a voting thing. I mean, Scotty, Rom, Hovland all had tremendous years. Um, you can make arguments for any of them. Um, you know, Scotty um, didn't miss a cut the entire year um one at the players and phoenix you know just added the hero for whatever that's worth you know uh the other week all with not putting particularly well uh the yeah. ball striking is just off the charts um and of course victor hovland came on strong winning the tour championship and the bmw and also memorial um what do you see on the pga tour on the men's side do you see anyone kind of you know, being a clear leader above the rest, or do you just sort of see it's going to be a mix of the Scotties and the Hovlands in the world? Is Ludwig going to sort of, you know, be the new shiny object and, you know, be the one who's, um, you know, comes up and wins a man. People are talking, his odds at Augusta are like crazy. Now, if you look at the betting odds, right. you know, so, um, uh, you know, I mean, we, we haven't actually talked, let's maybe talk about him for one minute. You mentioned him earlier. What do you think of his game? I mean, it's really good. You know, he uses the ground really well. Uh, from a technical standpoint, a swing driver left foot is pushed off the ground and stepped back through impact like so many great players before him, starting with, you know, just want to get not get too far back. Seve did that with the driver when he was dominant and was number one player in the world, and Tiger's feet both jump backwards. Um, his left foot does exactly the same thing. I think he's he uses the ground great. And if you look at it with an iron, it's very stable on the ground because he has more weight on it and the pressure is more forward so he can bottom out. He's clean technically. He has a lot of confidence. He's deep, he hits it deep. I think there's no reason to think from a technical standpoint he's not going to be a force. You know, Rory's going to have a big year. I really think. You think you know, getting off pack will help him? And I think it will team. help him, and I, I just feel like it's his time to win at Augusta. I think the game, need, the game needs him to win at Augusta. Well, I think know? it would be great for the game. You see that happening. I, I, I often I, wonder. I'm really rooting for it. I'm really rooting for it. I really am. I think he's – it's just time. You know, he needs to get the career grand slam and be on the PGA Tour. You know, I think that's big. I think it's going to be fun to have Tiger out there on occasion playing. 
you know, if he, if he can do it, I think, you know, at his age, it's hard to imagine him being super competitive except on certain venues. You know, if he can walk around Augusta, he can compete at Augusta. I mean, we've seen that right time and time again, whether it was couples or whoever it is that was, was a little long in the tooth, but they were able to go out and, and be a factor out there. I mean, he's only a couple of years older than Jack was when Jack won. Right. And he's certainly in better physical condition than Jack was when Jack won. Yeah. You know, so I think that'll be good for the tour to have him back out there playing occasionally. That's, I don't care what they do on live. They're not going to have Tiger. And that's, that still no, matters. For more sure. than it's still the biggest needle mover there is. So I'd like to see JT have a bigger, you know, have a bounce back here. That'd be good for golf to have. Do you him back see that happening? There. I mean, do you see? I mean, he played better at the end of the year for sure. He was definitely, you know, trending in the right direction. Who knows where he is now? You know, with his game, it takes some time. To, you know, we won't know much until we get some tournaments on the West Coast under our belts to see where where he's going to be. But I, I think it's important. You know, it's important for the game that the stars show up. And that there's some new young players that are that are people are talking about. You know, I think Hovland, Hovland can play, man. That guy's no joke. He's the, now that he can pitch a ball and chip well, a ball. Well, and, and that's you know, and that's what's so impressed me. You know, you, he was at that level, but short game was a weakness, and now it isn't. He really has worked on that, and it's impressive what he's done. Right? Yeah, you got to give him credit. He was honest about his his inability yeah. to, to do that, and then he addressed it, and he's improved it dramatically. And I think it's. It's just a testament to what you can do in golf. You put your head down and go to work. You can get yourself better, and he's he's dedicated to it, and he's done that. So good for him. You know, I think Homa's if he's going to start to if he's going to ever win a major, he's going to have to start contending in in them, right? Yeah, he has a someone who has been such a strong tour player. He has a remarkably poor record in majors, not just not winning it, but not really even being in contention. Yeah, and he's the first to admit that. You know, and I think. This was a good good year for him to I mean, LA was good, you know, for him to have happened to him what happened to him. You know, it kind of shook him a little bit. And then he had a really good Ryder Cup as a result and really did step up in the clutch. That was a huge putty made, you know, six feet to not lose the Ryder Cup. That's a it's a pretty interesting putt. You probably have never practiced in your life, you know. No, I but, agree with that. Um, you know, to step up and, and gut it was great. Um, I think he's very likable. He's he's good for the tour, he's funny. You know, he's obviously a competitor. He really cares about it. And I think we need more guys like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, you're not going to the... see that on live. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, you're not going to see I... a guy not win a, not win a regular tour event like he did in L.A. and, and be emotional about it. <laughs> Nobody on live cares about anything they're playing in. Totally not. Totally not. Do you see – we talk about Ludwig. I mean – in terms of the youngsters coming out is I guess Gordon Sargent's coming out, hits the ball 20 miles. I don't know yes. if there's anybody on the, on the, besides Ludwig on the young side coming out that you have your eye on at all. I mean, he's, he's a freak, you know, he's a freak. He swings it a lot like Minwoo does. And I think that's a guy that we're going to see in the world. Yeah. Game. I'm glad you really mentioned him. Yeah. You know, he's technically as good as anybody that has been playing in a very long time. You know, if there's a swing that you would like to emulate, it would be his. The problem is, you and I, if we did it, we'd do it once. And then we'd be straight into the ambulance, you know, because he's able to get his lower body in a direction that his upper body isn't facing. And it's ridiculous, the torque that he creates doing that. But he kills it. And it's fun, man. We got some, 
some different corners of the globe is are producing great, great players, and that should be good for the game. I just hope they stay on the PGA Tour. You and me both, Brady. Um, listen, this has always been great talking with you. And, um, uh, you know, the West Coast Swing, uh, which is only a few weeks away as we get ready to turn the page on the calendar into 2024, is always, I think, a lot of fun. We have great venues. Pebble is a designated event this year. So we've got designated event or signature events, whatever I should call it, at, at Pebble and Riviera. Um, that should be, um, even without Mr. Rahm, that should be great viewing to have the stars at those two iconic venues. And um, so I'm looking forward to that, as I'm sure you are. Yeah, I'll I'll be happy to not watch Waste Management much. But yeah, the other tournaments I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, all I can say is I, you know, the fact that they gave that designated status last year, that was just must have been a freebie to a longtime sponsor. I mean, yeah. I kind of like the notion of Riviera and, and Pebble having designated status. I like the, the iconic horses having the stars. That's a pretty good mix. Yeah, I'd say that's better than TPC Scottsdale and certainly better than Torrey Pines, which is a horrible venue. Terrible golf course. There, right? There's not a good course south of Los Angeles, right? There is not. There is not. There never has been. <laughs> Something people can work on. Brady, thanks so much. Always great talking to you. You too, Larry. Okay, take care.